Okay, so welcome to yet another 22-23 season preview. And this time I'm delighted to be joined by former Bristol City player and uh, regular media pundit. He'll be up at Hull this weekend, I think I'm right in saying, Gary Hours. And uh, our own, I call him our Piers Morgan on the FBC podcast, but everybody listens to him and they comment and they say they don't like him, but uh, it's none other than Ian Gay. Ian, Ian and uh, Gary, welcome to the podcast yet again. Good evening, Charles. Hello. Good evening. Um, Gary, I'll come to you first, and uh, we were chatting about this beforehand. Let's have it from a player's perspective. The season is three or four days away. What are you thinking in training? Are you trying to avoid injury if you know you're one of the manager's favourites, particularly so, or if you want to force your way in, you still think there's a shirt for the taking? What's been your experience over the years? Well, I always found the games tricky. Um, never really counted for anything other than to try and get fit. Um, City have, have come through in, in good shape, actually, with some good results. Um, haven't been beaten yet, so that, that can only be a good thing, builds confidence. But I think, you know, when you're coming on the Monday morning leading up to the Saturday, you're trying to look for clues that you're in the team. You want to be on the bus the manager might start showing his hand a little bit more, doing certain sort of um, training games, 11v11s or working with the back four or the midfield three. And, you know, some managers are very, very good at disguising the team right until the last moment. But you want to think that that you're part of it and you're a little bit nervous. And, um, you know, the big thing, I think, leading up to the Saturday is that you want to feel that you're going to be playing on Saturday. Yeah. Is there a sense that some players can be over-prepared in the sense that they've pushed themselves or maybe the club, the training regime has pushed them too hard that you can be too, you know, I'll say too fit. That's not the right term, but you know what I'm saying? Over-trained. I don't think that happens now. You know, the the way heart rate monitors, GPS, the sports scientists watch them like Hawks. Um, I believe most teams are are, are training to to figures now. So once they hit a a certain number of... um, Kilometers, it might be eight kilometers per training session and, and build up to no more than 40 kilometers in a week, which is a tough week. Um, they don't let them exceed them. Players look after themselves during the off season break now and actually come back fitter than they used to. I've heard Nigel Pearson say that once already this week. And it's just topping up, um, you know, the, the last few percent of your, of your fitness and, and trying to get game ready, I think, get them pre-season minutes under your belt. And it's a hard one because you, you can't come in and, and, and the City squad cannot be um, in the best physical shape or peak, if you like, for Saturday because they've still got to try and improve the fitness levels and get through the rest of the season. Of course, the break, mid-season this year, November to December, that's going to have an impact. They'll, they'll probably end up doing another mini pre-season, I would suggest, at that point. Mm, that's interesting. And if I could ask, who was one manager who gave you a really? You said you said when we were chatting earlier they were all tough. But if you had to pick one manager, one incident that you thought, <laughs> yeah, they're all tough. I mean, yeah. I mean, pre-season was was run, 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 and then run again. Blisters, sweat rashes, you name it. We had all different kinds of ailments, um, you know, and, and really. We were running the point that we're all carrying injuries. You couldn't get through pre-season without picking up any injury. I think that actually the worst training session in terms of running that I ever did was, was Terry Butcher, and it wasn't pre-season. He was clearly on his way out and was really upset um, with, with the players and the players squad. We'd all fallen out with, with him, and he didn't like us very much either. And we used to do this training run, which used to take about 45 to 50 minutes. It was about however long it was, and he actually made us do it once in the morning. And if he didn't get in a certain time, which was a ridiculous time, then he said, you're all going to do it um, in the afternoon. And none of us got in in the morning. And um, lo and behold, he, he made us do it in the afternoon. So, <laughs> so he, he was saying I, I have to up say, up. <laughs> a, a couple of players did actually end up getting the bus for half the journey and jumped <laughs> the bus for- we got caught at the end. I wasn't one of them, but they got caught. He made us run another big hill at the end, so it wasn't worth it. 
Yeah, and uh, I guess he wasn't doing much to promote the idea of uh, play, a manager can't lose a dressing room. I think you said well, he, he already had Well, he got the sack that. the next day. <laughs> he, got the sack, he got the sack the next day, so it was, it was pretty weak, obviously. Oh, weak. fantastic. None of us could move. Ian, like me, you're a, a fan. You're well into the 50s in terms of number of seasons. We finished the season uh, with a decent run of form. I think outside the top six, we were the best performing side in the last six games. Yeah, I think we got 11 points and no other side outside the top six. It's a hope that kills with City, isn't it? And a good pre-season. Yeah, we've seen it many times over the years. <laughs> you have a good pre-season and then fall flat on our asses. Uh, and the opening game. What, 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 what do you think yourself that first week leading up to an opening fixture? The hope? I think every season you look at, firstly, you, you look at the strength of the squad and, you, and I think myself, is the squad stronger than it was last season? And I think it is a bit. The problem being um, that we've got two of our best players are injured and we don't know. We've got a rough idea that Semenya will be back mid-September. Uh, and Nigel Pearson himself said, so if he doesn't know, I'm sure I don't, when Thomas Callas is going to be back. Now, this Callas has now been out for five months. And we were told, oh, it's, it's wear and tear injuries. Um, it's nothing that much to worry about. Then he had a minor procedure. It was described as, and he's out for five months. And then when Nigel Pearson was asked on the 20 minute show, um, when's he coming back? He said, honestly, can't tell you. So that could be, mean he's back same time as Semenyo, or it could mean we don't see him until Christmas. Yeah. And I think that's, that's concerning for me. Uh, and the other reason being that Thomas Callas is out of contract. Well, we talk next, about, we talk about contracts season, uh, but, later but on. Looking at, looking at the squad. Yeah. I, what makes me feel more confident is, although we've had some incomings, they fitted in quite well. We've played the same formation in every friendly game. Um, the players know it inside out and backwards and back to front. We've strengthened in a couple of positions where we were weak. Um, I like Naismith, I like Wilson. Mark Sykes had a decent game at Bournemouth and uh, an even better game than the one he played before that, which was Forest Green, I think. Um, but he he looks a, a, the sort of player that's going to get past the ball and score a few goals from midfield, uh, which I don't think our other players do, apart from possibly Alex Scott. So there'll be discussions around whether Scotty plays as the one behind the two, if we do that. And I think it could even, if Sykes plays, it could go, the formation could go slightly different. It could be... Yeah. Uh, three, four, two, one, with Vyman yeah. and um, Sykes trying to get past Martin. Okay. So I'm quite, I'm, I'm you're confident-ish. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm reasonably confident because we haven't had. It's not that like we signed eight new players and everybody's got to get to know each other and all the rest of it. And, and I think Hull, um, Hull have done that. They've also got a lot of injury problems. Mm. Um, so let's, let's hope we go up there and get three points. Good, a good time to be playing them. Uh, Gary, we, we did our transfer of business uh, really early. That was a feature of, uh, I mean, it's eight years ago now, Steve Cottrell's promotion side of 14-15. He went out and got all the players at the beginning of the window. And we did that with, by re-signing Tim Kloss, or Close, apologies for those that keep telling me I pronounce it wrong. Re-signing of him, Kane Wilson, League Two Player of the Year, Stuart Sykes, good reports from Oxford. Cal Naismith whipped him from under the noses of uh, his manager. He didn't seem to know too much about it. For you, did that sort of strengthen the area immediately that was the cause of City's problems last season, 77 goals conceded? Well, obviously, um, they had to look at the, the structure of, of the defence. Uh, Callas is a concern. Uh, Nigel actually described his injury as a grumpy old issue, which must be really grumpy because we haven't seen him for quite a while. Yeah. Sooner that he comes back, the better. I think he's, he's more than capable of, of um, playing in that defensive back three and he actually adds something to the team. Smith, I think, is an excellent signing and may offer a little bit of versatility if required. Obviously, the right-back position or right-wing-back position 
was was definitely something that needed attention. I think it's it's nice to see them as well, not just um, sign a player that's a specialist in that position, but someone that's actually on the doorstep and under yeah. the noses. And, you know, only up the road, there would have been no excuse if, if Kane Wilson had gone off somewhere else. So I'm pleased that City completed that signing. Um, and, and the other lad, I, Sykes. I, to be honest, Sykes, that I, I can't say that I've seen too much of him. Close, obviously, we've seen him come in towards the back end of the season and is a very, very experienced and accomplished defender. So, yeah, they've, they've, they've done the business early. Um, I have to say, I was, I was a little disappointed that Robbie Cundy sort of sneaked out the back door, if you like. I thought he'd come in. Yeah, he's, he wasn't a youngster. What was he, 24 or 25? Mm-hmm. He'd been really patient. Played for Bath, had loans, Gillingham and, and Cambridge. But I thought he'd done all right. Yeah. Coming to the team, um, he didn't do anything wrong. And I, and I thought he would have been a good value signing um, to even to add to the squad. Obviously, taking the, the consideration that the Callis injury situation, you, you don't just want to collect players. But um, I thought he might have been a player that City could have held on to. And, um, and yeah, they've done the business. Disappointing that it, it doesn't look like Wilson featured in the last preseason friendly, so he could miss um, start the season. Yeah, and and, and he can be critical to to City's formation. The formation. Well, we talk about formation as well later because it's interesting. Ian, you said quite rightly we've played the same formation at the back all the way uh, through. Um, Gary, what did you make of Badgett signing as a as a goalkeeper? That was a bit left of field as well. 19 uh, yeah. years old. It's not like he's a Nicky Mempar that would be an immediate understudy. You know, what... what no, you know I mean, him? it just it, it throws up a couple of questions. Um, as, he, as he come to be a development goalkeeper and push Dam, I mean, he's an international isn't he? in his own right. I think he's national. Yeah. Will he challenge Dan Bentley? Is Dan Bentley you know, on the way out at some stage. And, and, and what happens to Max O'Leary, of course. Max got his opportunity last season. Um, pretty tough time, I, w- I would think, for him. Uh, con- conceded quite a few goals. And Dan Bentley, of course, come back into the team and done excellent. So, um, yeah, slight surprise, I have to say. Yeah. Ian, uh, the players that we, in inverted commas, missed out on, we were linked with numerous players, as is always the case this time of year. Um, you know, one that comes to mind who was fairly early on in the process, which was uh, Rinna Motta. Uh, I see Luton, um, you know, they picked up Corley Woodrow, that would he have been a possible understudy to Chris Martin, who Tommy Conway apart, and that is Brian Tinian's own words, that he sees Conway as a replacement for Chris Martin. Uh, Millwall signed Benic Afobi. Um, you know, uh, but do, do you feel we've missed? Is there anybody we haven't signed that you'd like to have done that we're aware of, Ian? Well, the, the two players, um, you mentioned Rinamotta. Uh, he's the only, apart from Eroganum, the Tottenham uh, lad who played in the same team as Alex Scott in the Euros. Do you mean the we- the Villa lad, Eroganum? You pronounced yeah. him correctly. Sorry, no, the, the, Villa, the Villa lad, Eroganum. Um, he, they're the only two defensive midfielders that we've been linked with, as far as I know. Mm. Um, so missing out on Rinamotta, yeah, I think that's a that's a disappointment because it, it's it's the type of player, whether it's him or the other lad that we could have needed. Um, as Nigel Pearson said, it's difficult doing early business with the Premier League sides because they want to look at players, they want to look at them on tour. And then I think after they've um, submitted their 26-man squads, then they start thinking about, well, I think I can let this player out, that player out. And then there are lots of um, clauses attached to bringing players in. We know when we had Ryan Kent and he didn't play, we had to pay Liverpool a significant amount of money. Um, Mark Ashton told me that we didn't pay loan fees. Uh, that was a statement that, that he made. Um, and, and that was... Did he pay much. for Dione then? D- yep, so he, he said, no, we don't... Because at the time, there was a rumour going around that we paid something like a million quid 
to have benicophobia in on loan. And so I asked him about it. I said, well, and he said, no, no. He said, we don't pay loan fees. Well, you would, huh? maybe he would say that, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, you know, you can only ask the bloke the question. If, yeah. If he's going to tell you pork is, then, you know, it's not for me to say. But, no. you know, I, I always believe in asking people to their face and I ask people the same thing about, like, Lee Johnson, about, well, hang on, all this information is gone out in Masengo. I've seen he cost us anything up to eight million mm. that was circulating in the, in the um, press in France. Uh, and it, at the time he said, no, he said, I think it was about half that. Yeah, but if it well, was we don't know. That, yeah. And, and we'll come on to it. We're going to come but on no, to it. And we've been linked with a couple of centre-backs. Uh, Horsefall was one. We've been linked with a, a player I like the look of, David Bates, up at uh, Aberdeen. Yeah. And nothing's happened there. And then Nigel Pearson came out the other night and said, no more signings unless we shift some people out the door. And which, by that, which, I think he, I sorry, think he yeah. meant... Shift them out the door for money. Not, yeah, no, I that's not I totally agree with that. It's money on loan because that's it, not gonna that's not gonna save anything. It is money, and if you look at our best eleven to better those, you know, and some of them have got understudies and some haven't, but but to better our best eleven, you got to go out and you got to spend some serious cash, and not the same amounts of money that clubs were spending pre-pandemic, but. You know, these days, one and a half, two million is a decent sum for a non-parachute payment funded club to spend on a player. Gary, talking about defensive midfielders, and we've spoken about this a couple of times before. Um, Josh, I think you, we were talk, I read in the paper and you confirmed that he had a bit of a stomach strain to begin with. But it must be a little bit frustrating for him and you as a dad to sort of, you know, he wants to play games. You know, would you, as his dad, like him to go out on loan since he seems to be not getting a fair crack at the moment and one or two other players have jumped ahead of him maybe after a yeah, strong end of I'm, season? I'm, well, I'll always be honest. I think I've, I have got to be a little bit careful. Obviously, I don't want to put him under too much pressure. Uh, I am disappointed that he hasn't featured pre-season. I think that's a time to um, to, to, to blood young players. Uh, I, I, I'd probably say that he was due to play in, in one of the pre-season games. Unfortunately, he did pick up a slight stomach strain, which he's recovered from. Uh, and if players have jumped ahead of him, I don't know when they jumped ahead of him because at the end of the season, he was consistently playing well. And unless there was any games during the close season that I missed, I, I can't see where anybody else has jumped ahead of him off the back of going away on holiday. So, yeah, um, he wants to play, I can tell you that. And he wants an opportunity. So he's just got to uh, keep his head down and try and play as consistently well as he can. And I think, in fairness, you know, anyone or people that have watched the games or the under-23 games, there is an acknowledgement that he is a consistent performer and he is a defensive holding midfield player. So, you know, at some stage, um, someone will have to make a decision as to whether he's going to get an opportunity or whether um, he might have to go and try his luck somewhere else. So it's yeah. a season for him. Yeah, because you don't want him to end up being another Joe Morrell that was hanging around for no, three no, or four I don't years. No, that he's... And to be fair, he, you know, he is... We do talk about he wants to play. He, he, he wants to play. He's, he's, he's done the under-23 stuff. He's had a couple of good seasons, played in a team that's been quite successful, and he and he wants to get on and improve, and he wants to see uh, what actual level he can perform at. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at uh, the shape of the side, the preferred shape. I'll, I'll stay with you, Gary, on this. Bentley in goal, um, obviously. You know, name yeah. on the sheet. Um, they signed Bajek. People said that was with a view to uh, Max O'Leary going out on loan. Max is still a young goalkeeper at 25. Well, is yeah. He, is he 25? How young you got to be now? I think Max, you know, I know Max, and he's a great lad, and I do rate him as a goalkeeper. He can't be sitting around, I don't think, you know, 25, 26, 27. Does he want to be sitting around on, on somebody's bench? I'm sure... He wants to play. He wants to be a number one. Um, he's in and around the international scene now and um, he wants to play every week. OK, so let's assume that he goes out on loan. 
and then counter that, that Bajek, is he experienced enough to be a number two within a championship club? Yeah. And with a player, Bentley, who is out of contract next next um, next summer. Well, it's something, it's a situation that they'll be looking at. I'm, I'm sure Max goes out, that's the plan. Uh, Bajek will be number two. If, you know, if they lose Dan for any other reason, then they'll have to reassess. But um, I can't see a young international player being persuaded to join Bristol City. I'm sure you had a few other options and, and being told that you might be number three goalkeeper. Yeah. So it's just a case of if. It's a case of when, not if, in terms of yeah. Max going out this year. What do you yeah, say about that? So. What do you say about that, Ian? Max O'Leary, did he... I mean, if somebody... It's not going to happen, I don't think. But if somebody came in with a cheeky bid for Dan Bentley and potentially could double his wages for three years and he's going to sit on his backside but as understudy to a lower mid-tabling premiership club, would you have confidence in Max starting between the sticks? And if not this year, let's say he went out on loan to a League One club and came back, Bents goes next summer, is Max O'Leary a championship goalkeeper uh, well, you know, now in well, your eyes? The- I think what Max needs is consistent games. And I'm with Gary, the fact that he's, yeah, okay, 25 isn't um, exactly ancient for a goalkeeper. And they don't normally come into their own until, I would say, late 20s, early 30s. And they can normally play a bit longer for obvious reasons. Um, And I think he's, I mean, I've seen Max have some games and you think, wow. I mean, if you the the game I always remember is the game at Aston Villa. Yeah. Yeah. where we lost 2-1, it could have been 10-1 yeah. um, quite easily. And it, he made seven or eight saves that were just, well, I, I'll call them, they, they were what they, what they are, world-class saves. Um, since then, I've seen him have some games when, in all honesty, he hasn't been great on crosses. He's not the biggest physically and he's not the biggest about. Excuse me. <laughs> He's got a dog in the Walked back. Walked at the door. <laughs> oh, yeah. You'll see, see the size on him. He's, he's, he's as big as he sounds. Um, yeah. it, he's, uh, I, I think it's, he needs to go out somewhere. And I think he's in the same position as a lot of players down the city ground. And I'd probably include um, Josh in that, Gary, that he needs games and he needs league games in men's football. And 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 quite a few of them, you know, thirty plus games in a season. More than that, if you could get it in League One or League Two. Um, and I think that's the way they're going to progress. But Pearson alluded to the fact that he was quite, he'd be quite happy for him to go out if he had a stronger squad. Mm. And that's why I raised the point about, you know, at, we played the friendly at Bournemouth. We had eight first team players missing. Eight yeah. for various and, reasons. And, and so of them, some of them for, for a long time. You know, Benarus isn't going to be back until uh, Christmas yeah. at the earliest. Callas, God knows. Baker uh, can't play this season. And that's Nigel Pearson saying that, not me. He's very, we don't expect to see him this season. And he's out. Of, he's another one that's out of contract in the summer, uh, along with Jada Silva, Naki Wells, and, and uh, Dan Bentley and quite a few others. Yeah. So it's very difficult times ahead for the club, and I can understand them not letting the likes of um, Tommy Conway and Sam Bell out uh, because they they might need them to come in. You know, you imagine we play at Hull, we're, we're already missing Semenya when Martin or Bowman get a knock, and our forward line starts to look a bit sick. Mm, well, done it. Well, you got Naki in the background, Mackie and Co- well, we're talking about forwards as well in a moment. Uh, Gary, it, it we've said the side is retained its shape in all the pre-season. I mean, if everybody's fit, would you agree with me that with, with three central defenders, it goes Callas, Close, Naismith, those three, if they're all fit? Well, uh, possibly, but it's not going to happen on Saturday. No. So it'll be Naismith, Close and Atkinson for me. Yeah, it goes that said. And Close yeah. hasn't had a great Dave, pre-season. Just, mm, sorry, Ian, go on. Dave, I don't, I don't think... It, if you look at the build-up... Tim Closers look very uncomfortable at right I was just saying back. that. I was just going to say to Gary. He's not I, wouldn't a... be su- I wouldn't be surprised to see Zach Viner start in front of him. And I wouldn't have said that at the end of the season. I thought, I thought 
Zach would be one of the ones under the bus. Out the door, because he's out and of I contract. Think, I think we he, still not see him play in the middle close, more of a sweeper at the end of the season. He did. That's where he was playing, and he looked yeah. very imposing I there, see, didn't he? I see. I've got that in my mind. Nair Smith, you know, on the yeah. right, and Axon on the left, and, and him with his experience. You know, who would you... Who might would, feature, of the three that, of them... But that of the three might of them, feature right wing back. Who, who could you play right centre-back out of... Because you've got Naismith, who's left-sided, you've got Atko, who's left-sided, and you've got Tim Close and Zach Viner. I think contesting for that, yeah, that one position. Well, it's always... Would, you'd play two right-footers or three right-footers, wouldn't you? But you always seem to think that when you've got two left-footers, it's a little bit imbalanced. Yeah. But and then Duncan, and Duncan be... Idaho, who featured towards the end of last season, he's another left footer. So it makes what you said, Gary, strange that Robbie Cundy went out through the door, didn't well, it? So's, so's uh, Riley Towner, and so's the new lad that's come through, Raphael. Um, is it Oriello yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Now, he impressed me, he looked good, but he's another left footer. So you, you would you go with, if you had to make a choice this weekend, then it's Callus or Close, uh, Gary. Uh, sorry, Close or uh, or Viner for that slot. And Nigel oh. does let players come back into the reckoning if they train well, doesn't he? Which would explain yeah, why. Listen, I, I think Zach, um, Zach at his best can play all day long. You know, ups and his downs and, and, and possibly the, the manager indicate that. Um, you know, he, he could possibly move on, but no doubt about it, he can come in and do a job. I, I just think it, it, if if he's not 100% convinced, which which obviously he hasn't, either he's changed his mind on him or I think he'll go with close. I, I think he, he alluded to something in the... Um, because uh, 20 minutes asked him about not that exactly that same thing, but he, he, he did specifically mention Zach Viner and is a little bit like when he, they spoke about Masengo. Well, they're in the squad and we need them. And that's another thing about being shorter players. Another one that, uh, oh, he's, it's something minor, it's just precautionary. But we haven't seen him for at least a couple of weeks was Cam Pring. And Cam wasn't even in the squad towards the end of last season. So he's another one that's injured or was injured. I don't know because he's got a knee injury and, oh, well, it's nothing much. But the trouble is you, you hear that and then the next minute they've had a scan and then they're going to have an operation and then you're not going to see him for three months. So he yeah. seemed to have a, a lot of, a, you know, a, a, a mountain injury list with, with quite a small squad. Yeah. Gary, Jay De Silva, you know, with Cam being injured and, and, and what have you, I mean, he's got that left wing back spot nailed on right here, right now, I would say, yeah. And Kane Wilson, he can play. Can Kane play in a can Kane play a conventional right back role if needed, or yeah, he can play as a right back. Yeah, but I don't think uh, we'll see. City. But he, he, if he's fit, back those four. two, those two would, those two, those two are going to make yeah, up the back, back five. Yeah, Jada Silva um, had some injury issues, didn't he, uh, with his shin splints yeah. and he, he was mm. back. And forwards and, and it, it was a worrying um, thing at one point but he got over it I thought he'd come back at the side last season and was one of the, the really really outstanding performers I yeah. think is his position all day long if Ken Wilson is fit I think he'll play right wing back and um, obviously if he doesn't then there's a little bit of a conundrum then you could I mean you could chuck Zach Viner in there you could chuck uh, Alex Scott in there. Well, he, don't forget you've got Sykes inside there. But you've got you've got Sykes in Tanner, Gary. Yeah, well, again, Tanner, who, who, who was signed to play in that right back position, he hasn't really been someone that has been mentioned with any seriousness playing no. in that position. And he well, cost us and he cost us money as well, didn't he? I think he was well, about three hundred grand, something like that. He, he played a lot in pre-season. Mm. You know, and a few times he was selected in that role ahead of Wilson. It, it, you know, like the one day they played a, uh, a strong team in one less strong, he was in the strong team it, it, it right back. So he mixed it up a bit. Yeah, well, he did. I'm the only thing, that, sorry to put it, the only thing, and it got me mind, um, it, it's off the back of last season and the season before, 
There'll be a group of players that will play week in, week out if they're fit and available because Nigel has proved that he's very, very loyal and his teams are picked very, very consistently. So it's got to be either an injury or a really, really uh, poor lack of form that will see you removed from the team. So I think that um, probably George Tanner would, would sit outside that starting eleven at the moment. Yeah. Okay, let's move every, on. Let's move on. Chaps. Everyone's fit. I I agree, but I'm just saying it. Before I played Zach Biner at, at right back or right wing back, I I I play um, George Tanner there because I yeah. think he's a you know he, he's certainly a lot better going forward, and and I think that's the thing that Cam Pring's got over Jada Silva. Jada Silva for me is is far better positionally. He's a he's a better defender, or he's a bit shorter uh, for the aerial stuff. Uh, but Campering, I think, is is more exciting and quicker going forward, a better crosser of the ball. Well, I think um, yeah, both both the strengths are going forward. I wouldn't. I think when Jada Silva's in the team, I've I've seen that area um, sort of attack numerous with that that left to to right diagonal. They drop yeah, the, the ball. Big, they drop the both, ball in the in yeah, the space. Yeah, don't they? The far post. Both the strengths are going forward as attacking wing backs. Do, do you think? I mean, attacking wing backs are a feature of the modern game. Do you think the fact that Jay is very small that gives him a slight disadvantage back there? Well, you obviously know. defensively, just yeah. physically. But yeah. I mean, his attributes are his, his athletic capabilities and his ability on the ball. He's a ball playing, attacking left wing back. Yeah, I, I think you know he's, he's more um, probably creative as a footballer than, than Cam Print. But I don't doubt Cam Print could play as a left winger for me because yeah. as good as anyone in a one v one position, he can go on the outside and he crosses the ball as good as anyone at the club. Yeah, so, well. That's good true. Attributes. Yeah, in Both terms of very crossing. good attributes, and I really, I thought Campring done done really, really well. Um, and then I think he suffered once he'd made that that mistake, if you like, up at Preston. Preston. Lost yeah, lost a little bit of confidence. But there was times when he come in as a sub, and he and he was really impressive, um, coming on late in games and, and showing how quick, he's really, really quick. He's quick as anything you're going to see. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a place in the squad there for him. To, Definitely. To Let's look at the midfield then, because in terms of numbers, you know, that's five, six of the players, six of the spaces gone already. Uh, without any shadow of a doubt, it's going to be Matty and Joe. I mean, Gary, we just got to hope that Joe Williams can be fit for 30 plus games, don't we? Yeah, because I mean, he seems yeah. a bright spark. And when he has been in, he seems to have lifted it. But this is his second, this is his third season at the club. And we really haven't seen enough games from him to really form an opinion, have we? Well, I think we've formed an opinion because we've seen him on a good day. He's an outstanding midfield player, all-round energetic box-to-box, I would say. And obviously very, very influential um, in the dressing room with his personality. And I would like to think that um, he's put some of the injury problems behind them because hopefully this is the, the first real um, full pre-season yeah. that he's had. He's fit and he's available and he's at the start line ready to go like everybody else. And it's just how he's going to cope. Mm. You know, there was the time he come back last season, and I'm sure, I'm sure it was last season. Ian will correct us if I was wrong. And he come back from injury and he featured in two was it two or even three games in a row. And I just thought, how? And he broke down again. And, yeah. and it seemed pretty obvious that, you know, he, he wasn't up to um, that level of physical fitness at that moment in time. So hopefully he is. And uh, hopefully we'll see what a good player he is. Yeah. And Matty James in the anchor role. I mean, do, do you feel those two complement each other, Gary? And I'll yeah, ask you I the think, same question, Ian. Yeah, Matty James is, is uh, you know, he's, he's, he's seven out of ten for me. Steady Eddie. Um Composed. I thought his set player delivery improved last season um, and experienced sort of player at this level now. Ian, what what do you think of that midfield midfield two as it stands like that? Assuming they can both stay fit, yeah. What do you yeah, think? that's a that's a big assumption because I mean uh, you mentioned Joe Williams and his fitness problems are very have been very well. Uh, noted and discussed. Matty James played 30 games last season. 
So when I look at what we've got to come into the team behind them uh, and the two that have been most prevalent in the pre-season is uh, Han Noah and Andy King. Um, so I, I, in, for me, we need that's why we need the holding midfield player in or we need to give uh, one of the youngsters a chance in there because I think all those players, I would say, are better in a in a three narrow in midfield than in a two. That I've got to say, with when we've completed the set the lineup, I'm going to make a suggestion on that picks up on that point there. Um, I guess the other, the other thing is that that Matty James and Joe Williams aren't going to score you any goals or no. not many. No. Um, so Ormasengo, well Ormasengo, well Ormasengo, yeah, they're not going to get you many assists. Now, Andy King was out almost all last season with two hamstring tears. So I, I, I didn't think he would get in their contracts. I know he's been contracted as a coach as well as, but that's where I think, I th- that's where I look at us and it worries me. I think we're weak yeah. in that central area of midfield. Just in creativity, which brings us on to, you know, the, the if you like, the front and what's... My, I mean, Gary, this season, this early season... Um, Nigel, uh, it, it makes it easy for him, Semenyo being out until the middle of September, because if Semenyo was fit, yeah, he has to start. Vyman has to start. And picking up on your point that he has his favourites, you know, Chris Martin, I don't think he rested him. I don't think he even rested him towards the end of the season, right? So if, if, if um, uh, Semenyo was fit, then there's no place for Scott if you play Vyman, um, sorry, Vyman, Semenyo and Martin as a three, and Matty and Joe in the middle, there's no place for Scott, and there's no place for um, uh, for Sykes, who's impressed in pre-season. I mean, this is where we've got almost this embarrassment of riches at that front end, rather than in midfield, yeah? Uh, yeah, I mean, on that point, first of all, were times during the season... I thought was crying out for a little bit of rotation at the top of the pitch. He plays Semenyo and Martin three games in a week. Other teams would rotate and keep Narky Wells on the bench. Even Tommy Conway and Sam Bell at times, I thought, just mix it up a little bit and, and give him an opportunity. Um, Martin will be in the team. He, he is. Um, Nigel picks him consistently. He got double figures, fair enough. Feynman's going to be in the team because obviously Semenyo can't play. But um, yeah, Scott would be interesting. I don't think Sykes will make the start in 11 on, on Saturday. I think Scott will play behind Feynman and Martin. And the only thing that would alter that would be if if Wilson come out and possibly he, he wedged Scott in back as a right wing back. And yeah. Um, you know, he played someone else in that Sykes in that number ten role. So, but Scott is a far better player than Sykes. Well, so. yeah, and, and and actually, it'd be interesting when everyone's fully fit because I think Alex Scott would play in the centre of midfield as well. He doesn't have to play in that number ten role. I think there was a game last season, Cardiff second half against Cardiff, Masengo and Scott, two young midfielders, absolutely ran the show. And I think after after the summer that he's had and obviously grown in confidence again, he could play in the centre midfield. All, but you can't have um, if he's your, your most saleable asset and you're trying to um, improve his value and he's not in the team. That is not the right thing to do. The, if he's going to go, um, he'll be in the shop window and he'll be adding games to his CV so they can get. The he's got he's got to play in that position that he's best at, and the he's only got thing. To. And what he got and last again, season, what he got last season was that he got he got minutes on the pitch. I know it was out of position, but he got he got minutes he got minutes on the uh, yeah, on did. the pitch. I mean, and all those kids, that all those well. kids that he played with in that tournament, you know, they're playing kids football pretty much, aren't they? You know, yeah, so that was a big mystery for me. I mean, he grew in the position. He's done really, really well at times. He really surprised me with how physical and strong he was, and he coped defensively. But when you keep reading about them moving on to all these big clubs and you think, well, they're not watching them to sign them as a right wing back. No. And the players in attacking midfield. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's time for City to get him playing in his best position. In his proper and build and build a side around him for as long as we've got him almost, really. Ian, your thoughts on that, if you like, that front three, you know, I mean, right here, right now, with Semenyo injured, for me, I think Gary's said as much as well, it's Scott Vyman and Martin on Saturday. End of story, yeah? Would you agree with that? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Wilson's fit. I wouldn't be surprised to see Alex Scott start on the bench. And it's, I'm not saying that's what I'd do, but I think Nigel Pearson might do it. A couple of reasons. He's only just come back into the squad after he had a break after playing all that international football. Um, Sykes has, has been playing well in that 10 position. So if, if Wilson's... Um, if Wilson's fit I, and he wants to play that formation, I, I think he'll start him. Now, if Wilson's not fit, I think he'll put Sykes in it right wing back, as he did at Bournemouth, where apparently Sykes had a decent game. Mm. And Scotty will then start. Well, that's where you got your best 11 on the pitch. Now, that, that, that would be, for me, the obvious thing to do that. Yeah, without, without, the, injured, without the injured players. Yeah, um, without, without the injured players. That's right. Um we, we started talking about shape and what have you. And, uh, you know, Gary, do you think when you play that formation, of, if, if you like, and again, if Dave Fevs is listening, you know, he's more scientific in his approach than I certainly am. Um, but do you have a tendency to get overrun in midfield if you play a two like that, Matty and Joe? Well, not if, I mean, it's, it should be a three, really. I think when Vyman was, was excellent because, because of his energy levels, I think he, he would drop off onto a side, even central two, and City would actually defend with three midfielders. If the press from the from the front, of course, most, most midfielders that play three in midfield will have a deep liar. So that allows City's number 10 to go and try and get as tight as possible against him. It's just working out different formations, different tactics. I think the key last year was, at times... City's wing-backs played really, really high and they got exposed down the sides of the centre-halves. And I'd sort of think at times when when Vyman dropped in there and be playing like a right winger and De Silva on the other side, you know, I think it needs to be more, when they, when they started getting results, so a more, a definitely five, back five and three midfielders and, and two attackers out of possession. Mm. And, and that's the shape that, that would suit them out of possession. I mean, of course, you've seen them go forward with devastating effect. Naismith is a utility player and, you know, this is just a suggestion here. I mean, it's not going to happen, but if you have a four at the back, it could, and this is with Callas out, you could have Wilson, Close, Atkinson and Naismith. And in that, you've got that little bit of height at the back with Naismith there. I mean, Ian, does that is that a total madness, that suggestion for a four? And then in midfield, you can have a midfield three of Matty, Joe and Scott, and then Sykes, Vyman and Murray, you do 4-3-3 or a flex on that, but you're playing with a conventional back four then and an extra man in the middle. Yeah, I don't think it's madness, but I don't think he'll do it because he hasn't, he didn't do it at, at all in pre-season um, and he didn't do it pretty much for all the last season. So I don't think that... You know, it, it 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 when he when he tells the lads the team and they probably I don't know what will he probably tell them Gary on the Friday, uh, yeah, starting yeah. eleven, um, it will be well. This is a team now. All of a sudden, if you say, well, we've been playing a back a back three, or you can call it a back five, and what it should be is it's a little bit like when when you play four five one, it's four three three attacking, and you've got nine. You've actually got nine defenders in there, plus the keeper, when you're defending. Um, and then, then your players break from there. We are a counter-attacking side. Um, so so I, I can't see him changing the formation and, and changing players' positions, saying, right, well, we did this right through pre-season training. This is what we've done. Now we're going to do something entirely different. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be a real... From what Gary was saying earlier on about he's loyal to players and he knows what he wants to do, I, I can't see him changing his mind and, and doing something like that, barring, I don't know, barring major injuries or something strange. He might have to do it during a game. 
if it all starts going pear shaped. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're seeing that as well. And for four three three, it's about getting the best players in the strongest positions. And we had four three three, and would see Wells playing wide on the left, or even you know when trying to get in the team, they couldn't find the right position for him. I think the shape suits us. I think it's important that Vyman plays um, in a deeper position eventually because that's how he scored his goals last season running from midfield where nobody could live with him. be interesting to see how he does playing right at the top of the pitch again um, or, or even Scott as well in that position, central position. Well, I mean, playing away from home, he might do as I suggested earlier on where it becomes more of a 3-4-2-1 like Forrest used to play rather than a Three, four, one, two. So you've got, if we say it's either, let's say it's Sykes playing, Sykes in Bynman, ru- running past Martin in the same way the Tottenham players do it when um, Harry Kane plays that role where he drops back in and they run past him and get played in. Um, or he's playing them in a lot of the time. I could, I could see Sykes in Bynman both like coming onto the ball. They're not, neither of them are back to goal players. They want, to, they want to come onto the ball. They want to get in the box. And, yeah. and, and I could see that happening quite easily, particularly, think, particularly away from home. Yeah, I think, you know, Paris thought, let's assume Chris Martin got one of our dreaded hamstring injuries up at the High Performance Centre or something like that. I would be very interested to see how he plays without Chris Martin because he is the ever-present and I think you know we we'd see a very different attacking style from City without Chris Martin in well, there without Chris Martin is... and, without Martin and Semenyo City would be stretched and um, oh w- without both they, definitely whether, yeah he fancied Wells or Tommy Conway um, which one of them two he fancied first and, and let's not forget Wells is out of contract um, yeah. in the season's time and yeah Half of me would be be thinking about if I can get him in the team and he can get six or eight or ten goals before that break in November, they might be able to just get a little bit of money back for him in I'm, January in the window. But yeah, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to see him go for nothing and Masengo go for nothing and you know, any oh, other Kalas. I mean, Kalas goes for nothing. The, you know, they're talking about finances and you're watching players queue up to, to leave for nothing. Um, Famara left for nothing. Yeah, you want. But well, Casey that. Palmer left for nothing, pretty much, didn't yeah. he? You have yeah. to get, you have to sell them at the right time as well, and, and for the right price. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, let's talk it's, about. It's, it's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Because particularly where we are now, there's not a lot, not a huge amount of money being spent anywhere else apart from the Premier League. Yeah, and <clears throat> as Pearson alluded to, on sound of the city. In order to shift the player, someone's got to want to buy him. And, and I think what's going to happen with uh, Han Noah is that two things. We're either going to get a Mickey Mouse offer at, at both deadlines, and I'm talking half a million to a million, uh, or he's going to see out his contract and walk. Because I, I, yeah, but he's still, I, I still think Masengo, um, if I'm not wrong, he's still compensation, isn't he? Yeah, but I think if he goes to an English, you're you're absolutely right, Gary. If he goes to an English club, it's different to if he goes to a foreign club. Yeah, and I think it's less yeah. if he goes to a foreign club. But you're absolutely right with that particular point. And and the thing is with Hanoa, uh, I thought he'd have gone by now. And what we don't want to happen with Hanoa, and somebody put this on the fans forum. I mean, everybody about three, four years ago now, well, four, when his contract was up, every Callum O'Dowda was refusing to sign the contract that's on the table. And then he eventually signed it when nobody actually did come in for him. And if City have made what Nigel fears is, uh, Nigel says is a good offer to Hanoa and nobody's come in, you get to a point where you almost call his bluff next and say that offer's withdrawn. Yeah. yeah you're a squad yeah. player, but he, he's going to go. I think there's an even more worse situation developing with Thomas Callas because if the manager says he's not, he doesn't know when he's coming back, period, right? Let's assume that he, let's assume that he doesn't play before the international break, 
right? Then he's had no matches, he's had no minutes on the pitch at all, right? He's going to have a mini preseason, which would be like the preseason was in 2020 when there was that that break before they came back for the games. How many minutes is he going to get on the pitch, Callas, before the end of the January transfer deadline window? And if he and let's say he wasn't fit to even start training until December, he's going to walk out. And that was a player that cost eight and a half million. That's yeah. three million more than Lady uh, Famara Deju went for. Yeah, it's a travesty. Yeah, Dave, what, what I'm not hearing from anybody is nobody wants to see players leave. And, and I've been saying for years that you should make a player an offer. You know, you are going to sign the contract and we transfer list you uh, 18 months before the end of his contract because you'll know if you want to keep him. But if at the end of the day, the player says that there's no one wants to buy him, as seems to be the situation with Masengo, Pearson said we haven't had a bid. There's yeah. all this talk about City turned down 8 million from Watford. Well, that is just rubbish. So because they wouldn't have turned it down. It's as simple as that. If it was 4 million, they wouldn't have turned it down. So what I'd like to, to see is, is somebody come up with a, with a solution, but because nobody wants to see players. I don't, I don't know. Contract. I mean, I think the players... But I don't think there is one. because I the think the players, players are hedging... I think the players are hedging their bets. I mean, Gary, if you look at you know, Dan Bentley, Jada Silva, and Callas, Masengo, maybe slightly differently, and Naki... You know, they're thinking, well, next summer things might be better and I can walk. I mean, well, they'll all get clubs. They'll, they'll, they'll all walk, won't they? Yeah, and and, yeah, and if you're Hanno and Masengo, let's say Masengo's being paid 10 grand a week here, right? If somebody has to buy him for a million quid, right, that is the equivalent of uh, over a three year contract. They could say, look, Hannah, you only just turned 21. It's not like you're 27, 28 and you're coming up to your last payday, but you just turned 21. Uh, you know, keep your powder dry and then we'll pay you two and a half times the wages you're getting at the moment next summer because we haven't had to pay a transfer fee. I mean, that has to be in their thinking, doesn't it? Or a big signing on fee. Oh, definitely. And um, Nigel said that there's no impressed. I think it'd be takers abroad if he was made um, available Officially, and unfortunately, I also think, and he did sort of hint it a little bit, Nigel Pierce. I think City might lose one or two players before the deadline, and it wouldn't surprise me if there was a massive bid for Alex Scott. I think we'll hang on to Semenyo because he's injured, but I think we've got to be very, very careful about that situation, make sure we've got it covered. Yeah, and if Scott plays, let's say, I mean, we talk. Uh, there's two final topics I want to finish on in a moment. But if Scott plays in the fixtures between now and the transfer deadline, which is the 31st of August or thereabouts, yeah, you know, he he he's going to be in the shop window in that period. That's he's when that's been in the shop bit. window. He's yeah. been in the shop window, and I think he possibly uh, one or two people might have put a reserved sign on him. Let's wait and see. And do you think he could possibly get loaned back to us for a season? Is that a possibility? It's a possibility. Because he said himself he doesn't want to warm the bench in and under... Well, doesn't want to be... Of course, it'd it'd be a good uh, proposition, actually, to City. We'll we'll give you the money now and uh, you can have him back. That'd be probably as good a scenario as we could wish for if he was to leave. Okay, before we talk about our hopes uh, for the start of the season, because it's almost like a little mini season in 33 days, um, we're talking about comings and goings at Ashton Gate. Uh, sadly, we lost somebody who we all know. I know you spoke about him on Sound of the City uh, on Monday night, Gary, and Ian knows well. Uh, Ian, uh, I'm talking about Mr. Bristol City, the man with the red fedora, Stony Garnet. I mean, what, what are your memories of Stony, Ian? I mean, you've known him many years you know him a lot better than I do I've seen him and talked to him but you've yeah, you've had his, beers uh, with him a lot yeah I know his son Chris very well um, uh, I think we'd start well the more repeatable ones that I could I could do because this is family listening isn't it and uh, Stoney always had a, had a lot of uh, had a lot of stories to tell um, I, I can remember uh, when there was a lot of trouble down at Portsmouth when Bristol City, Plymouth, sorry, Bristol City played Plymouth and there was mega trouble. And part of it involved um, 
uh, a car dealership and um, the, there was a huge plate glass window and it went in and there was a there was a it's a lot of trouble down there anyway the following week Stoney's got a gig and the gig is at Plymouth Argyle Football Club so Stoney turns up in his hat and mentions and just happens to mention this. He said, "Oh, you didn't go that, that well Saturday, lads. If you've got all your windows put back in, and the whole place exploded and went went for it." He said, "I was only joking. I was only joking. I was only taking the piss. Honestly, don't." Yeah, <laughs> I think they had a struggle to get him out of there in one piece. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he was a he, he was always good for a laugh. Um, you'd heard all the jokes before, but he he'd, he'd tell him uh, he'd tell him as well. Um, yeah. and 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 he, he was he was just fun to be around and he had a laugh and a joke with everybody he met and and I can't think of anybody that, that didn't like Stoney. No, he's a great bloke. And Gary, I mean, you've been on the Bristol scene for nigh on 30 years. So I mean, you know, yeah. what are your stories? I know you told well, one on uh, Monday, but you must have come yeah, across firstly, it. Firstly, I was pretty gutted. Uh, I spoke to a couple of people since Sunday. We all feel the same. Just a, a larger than life character for me genuine genuinely nice friendly person was always ever so nice to me for years and years spent a lot of time um beside him sat sat alongside him in the pub i think for one night talking for about half an hour and i turned on he, he was asleep but he wouldn't have been <laughs> asleep or he's pretending to be asleep, but yeah, that would be that would be the sort of thing that he could do. I can just picture no, him did. doing that now. Yeah, he did, and I, I mean, the big thing for me was, and I said it um, on Jeff's show every New Year's Eve without fail. He was always the first person that I got a uh, Happy New Year message from, and that was even after I left City, and that always uh, meant the world to me. So big loss. Um, hadn't seen him for for a few months, but um, always be remembered well by me. That's for sure. Definitely. Okay, so season 22-23 kicks off on Saturday up at Hull. Um, it's nine, well, certainly seven league games, nine if we beat Coventry in the Caribou uh, Cup. I'm going to read the games out. You all know them. Hull away, Sunderland home, Wigan away, Luton home, Cardiff home, Blackburn away, Huddersfield at home. And Coventry away, I think, is... Uh, after Sunderland and before Wigan, but let's look at the league games. Seven league games, four home, that's three away, I can add up. Um, there's no easy games in this division, Gary, are there? Well, no, it's consistently a tough division to work out. Hull City have made lots of changes, I've noticed, pre-season. I think we've got a few injury concerns, but the first game of the season is always a cagey affair. You know, teams trying to find some rhythm and fluency. Um, and actually, anything could happen. Um, if City come back with, with anything on Saturday, I think that'll be really, really positive. I think it's always important that you get on the board as quickly as possible, whether it's a draw or a win, uh, just to calm everybody's nerves uh, before a very, very tough and exciting home game against Sunderland. Yeah, how do you think Sunderland will do this season? I mean, one team, one, one of the predictions, uh, I think it might have been the Mirror, but what do they know? They had Sunderland 24th and us 23rd. I think that's absolutely 100% wrong. I mean, wildly, for no real reason, I can see Sunderland being top seven next year. No, I, I don't see them being top seven. You uh, don't? Okay. No, I don't. I think um, they need to improve the squad. Um, they've been out of the championship for four or five seasons now and um, they have to really, really work hard to consolidate. I think they'll be strong at home because they'll get tremendous, tremendous backing from the fans. Um, the other side of that is if it's not going so good, you've got to have the right type of player uh, with the right mentality to, to deal with a little bit of flack. Um, so it's going to be really, really interesting. I don't think they'll find themselves in, in any book bother at the bottom um, and I don't see that for City either so um, yeah interesting to see how both teams do but I don't see Sunderland really th I, I think there's, there's too much strength at the top of the division you know look the three that come down Norwich, Burnley, Watford with the parachute money I think we'll see improvement from Sheffield United and Middlesbrough 
and West Brom. Those two, yeah, that's your yeah, top. Six. That's your top six, isn't it? Then you, you you think Stoke have to be a little bit better at some point, and haven't even mentioned Luton or Huddersfield, who both got playoffs last season. Tough yeah. division. Yeah, definitely. So that that opening seven games, I mean, Chris and Gregor were very very optimistic, saying. 13 points, which uh, you start going into the games, where does that come from? When I was chatting to Gareth yesterday, he was a more moderate 11 points. And, you know, I, I was inclined to agree with him saying, you know, 10 to 12 points from that, that seven. I mean, what, 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 what is acceptable for you? Is it that 10 points, something like that, which is a point and a half a game? You, you know, you've got to be winning a minimum of three. Out yeah. seven. So there's nine points. And then if you hopefully chuck in a draw or two, I think 10 or 11 is a reasonable start out of seven. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, if not a points prediction, but a finish next season, it seems to be the popular uh, view. Mm. Are you saying for City, you know, probably anything below 14th is a bit disappointing and anything above 12th is, is good? <laughs> Disappoint. Listen. We all want Bristol City to get in the playoffs and get in the Premier League that year after year after year. So any anywhere outside the top six is disappointing. Yeah. The season was disappointing because they never really challenged at any point in previous seasons, bar the, the sort of Dean Holden, Nigel Pearson, Lee Johnson season. They'd been in around the playoffs, heading towards the end of the season, had a fighting chance. They have. I want to see want to see improvement. I want to see people getting excited with genuine belief um, that they can get promoted at some stage. Uh, Nigel's here, apparently, or allegedly, on a, on a three-year plan to try and get City into the Premier League. So if 17th was a position last season, you want to see a much-improved position, don't you? You do. You do. Ian, um, you said one thing that Nigel's done is managed everybody's expectations down towards the... Uh, the basement is all very uh, low key. Your uh, points prediction for that opening seven game sequence, unbelievable number of games in just a short space of time, even more so if we do well in the cup. Yeah, well, <coughs> a couple of things. I, I work on um, 1.5 uh, points a game average is you're not going to be in any trouble. Um, 1.7, 1.8, you're heading for the playoffs. So you can you can do the multiplication on that. One point five comes out about ten and a half. So we'll say eleven points, uh, and you're going to be all right. You're going to be mid table ish, and then you go to you you go up to one point seven. If you're doing one point, I, I always say if you've got seventeen points after ten games, the thing to realise that those first ten games aren't or shouldn't be the most difficult games we've got next season. Uh, and I think if, if we played the first 10 league games and we had something like six or seven points, I think, whoa, this is going to start getting really tough. Um, and I always say at the start of every season, I give it marks out of 10, five out of 10 season is you stay put. Um, it's not an achievement to stay in the division. Uh, now, if, if you say, right, OK, well, what's a, what's a seven then? Well, a seven is that you you finish... Uh, in the top 10. Mm. I think you can say you've had a, had a reasonable season if you finished in the top 10, because at some point you'd have probably be ch challenging for the top six. If you get in the top six, um, that's an eight, in my opinion. And if, if you get promoted, in other words, you, you get promoted automatically or through the playoffs, it's a 10. Yeah. So, you know, I, I what do I think? Um we finished 17th last season. It would have been 18th without Darby's points deduction. So I, I would think if, if I was about to bet my house on it, somewhere between 12th and 14th this season. Yeah, and that and that is progress. I mean, after, as Gary alluded to, the first few seasons back where under Lee it was year-on-year -year, uh, progression, yeah, when he took over, Um it would have been even better had we not had those uh, slumps. But uh, no, I mean, I think like any City fan, we've got to be buoyant going into it. I mean, if Semenyo comes back, we can hang on to Alex Scott. Maybe Callas gets back on the grass before Christmas. I think that's highly unlikely now after what Nigel said. Um, you know, we're always hoping for uh, 
a good season and uh, maybe one day we won't be amongst the Rotherham, Preston, Millwall and Lutons of this uh, uh, championship uh, league that haven't played at the top flight. I'm just hoping we could maybe uh, this season do a Huddersfield who did rise from 18th up to the playoffs. Gary, Ian, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you very much.